This is The Lydia Project, Conversations with Christian Women. Our name is inspired by the life-changing conversation that Lydia had with Paul, recorded in Acts 16. On this podcast, you'll hear from a variety of women whose lives have also been impacted by the truth of the gospel. Your hosts, Tori Walker and Taryn Hayes, hope that you too will be challenged and inspired by how the gospel truths are being worked out in the lives of their guests, ordinary women who serve an extraordinary God. Today, your host is Taryn Hayes. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Lydia Project. It's really good to get another interview out. Uh, This particular interview was recorded quite some time ago, long before COVID-19 was even on any of our radars. And yet, as I listen to this interview again, it's really interesting how much of what our guest Haley has to say that speaks directly to what many of us are thinking and feeling, things about our faith and lives that this pandemic is bringing out. I hope that this episode is going to be encouraging and challenging, and I'd love to hear from you if you feel that there were particular things that she said that really resonated. Um, without further ado, here it is. Hello and welcome today to The Lydia Project. I'm Taryn Hayes and today I have with me Haley Tubman, who's married to Scott Tubman, who's a assistant rector at the St. James Church in Kenilworth in Cape Town. And she's also the mother of two really sweet children. But uh, Haley, why don't you tell us more about your family? Thank you, Taryn. It's really good to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, So, yes, as you said, I'm married to Scott. Uh, We've been married for almost 18 years, and Scott is an Australian. So he came over from Sydney, where he grew up, uh, to do ministry here in South Africa uh, almost 20 years ago now. And we've been very blessed with 18 years of, of wonderful marriage. And um, our two children, so Benjamin has just turned 13, and he's a really lovely teenager. We're very proud of him. And our daughter Gemma is 11, and she's vivacious and very funny. I think she's the, she's the really funny one in the family with her offbeat sense of humor, but she's an absolute delight. Oh, that's great. They, I've known these kids since they were born, and they are they were really sweet. Big surprise for us when we came back to South Africa was to see how tall Ben had grown. He is incredibly tall. So I think he's got my husband's mum's genes, so granny, and also my brother, who they're both quite tall. But he's way surpassed me in height uh, and catching up to his dad very quickly. So tall and skinny. He's a lanky lad. Yeah. Very, very sweet kids. And we've really enjoyed knowing them over the years. Um, Haley, you spoke about um, a little bit about your husband coming from Sydney. Um, But obviously, prior to all of that, you became a Christian. Um, Tell us a little bit about how that happened. So I grew up really here at St. James, where we are now serving. And the way that that happened was uh, my mom was looking for a youth group for my brother and I to attend when we were children. And uh, someone my mom knew suggested her coming to St. James Church. And she put us in the car one Friday night, and off we came to youth group. And um, I remember hearing the gospel for the first time that night in a way that I'd never heard the gospel before. So, you know, prior to that, we were in a very high Anglican church and we were basically taught we're all God's children. And, you know, I'm a Christian because I'm not a Muslim. And that's what I grew up thinking. And when I came to St. James, I heard about the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross 
uh, in my place because I have a problem with God, a problem called sin. And I'd always thought of sin as bad stuff you do. And I think I realized coming to St. James that first night that actually sin is an attitude towards God. It's, it's an attitude that says to him, I don't want to live life your way. I want to do things my way. And, and I'd never understood sin like that before. And, and I heard about how that is a problem we all have. It was my problem. And how the Lord Jesus died on the cross because our sin deserves God's judgment. But he stood in our place and he took the judgment for our sin upon himself. And how I needed to turn to Jesus and ask him to forgive me so that I can have a relationship with God. And that that's what being a Christian is about. That it's trusting the Lord Jesus in order to have a relationship with the living God. And, and I'd never heard that before. And um, <clears throat> I continued coming to St. James for about uh, a year after that and hearing this message all the time. And, and one Sunday morning, I was sitting in church and Frank Retiff was preaching. He was our rector at the time here at St. James. And again, he was sharing the good news of the gospel. Um, and I remember at one point in his sermon, he looked straight at the back where I was sitting and he said, you know, we aren't all children of God. You have to become one. And I realized that morning that I'd been listening to this message of the gospel for almost a year and I'd never become a child of God. And I remember leaving the building feeling scared because I realized if I don't do something and actually ask the Lord to forgive me and become a child of God, that I was in serious trouble with God. And I, I kind of panicked a bit. I didn't really know what do I do. And the very next day, a team came around. I'd filled in a pew card mm -hmm. asking for help. And um, two people came around to our home and talked us through the gospel and offered to pray with us. And that was the night that I became a Christian. And I was about 13 years old at the time. Oh, that's great. I don't think I actually knew that part of your testimony. And how wonderful to be able to sit under the word of God for that time. Yes. How gracious of God to allow that for you. It was looking back now. Um, I'm so thankful. And, I, and even being in ministry at St. James now, it's... It's amazing to me to think that God knows all the things that we don't know. And I could never have known back then, A, that I would even become a Christian, realize that I actually wasn't a Christian, that God would lift that blindness from my eyes, and then that he would see fit to leave me here to eventually serve him in this very place. Mm -hmm. And you sort of sit here at this point in history and you look back and you go, how amazing, God knew all of that. I had no idea. I was just this little 12-year-old trying to make sense of the gospel and life. And God knew, well, little 12-year-old, I have a plan for you. And it blows my mind. And I feel quite unworthy and very mm -hmm. blessed by God to have been part of that. Yeah. So how did that impact you as a 12, 13-year-old in your school life, your family life, just generally, having become a Christian? It's quite special because my mom and I became Christians together on that night and actually had a very difficult time in my family. My parents were going through a separation at the time. And, um, and so it really was, I think, the way that the Lord kind of kept us going at that time was to make himself known to us in a time when we needed him very much. Mm -hmm. And I think especially for my brother and myself, you know, our dad was absent from that point on and God in his goodness revealed his own fatherly nature to us. And so I always say to people, I didn't grow up without a dad because physically my dad wasn't present, but I had our loving Heavenly Father. And I'm very grateful because I think 
going through divorce as a family, as a Christian, it does change things quite significantly. And having come to understand that we all have a sin problem, I, I viewed my own father quite differently at that point, realizing that, like me, he has a problem with sin. And mm -hmm. yes, he had done wrong, but he is blind by his sin. And it doesn't excuse his behavior, but there is a sense in which I can't stand in judgment of him. That is God's work to do. Yes. Because he is blinded by sin like I was and needs a savior just like I did. And so, and his sin is no greater than mine before the Lord. And so I think having become a Christian at that point was a tremendous gift from God because it, it did change my own attitude towards my dad, but also it, it kept my brother and I from being bitter and being angry because we, we were surrounded by the love of our heavenly father. And I think for my mom, it gave her the wisdom that she needed to guide us through that time really well. So looking back now, I think we, both my brother and, and me, we, we don't have, I think, a lot of the ugly scars that can come with divorce because we had a, a mindset that was quite different, mm -hmm. that my mom was able to model to us. So we always knew what was going on, but we knew it wasn't our fault that both my mom and my dad had made certain choices um, that impacted us, and we were we were able to really process it with with Christian glasses on, and so I'm very thankful for that, and and obviously to this day share that special bond with my mom that we became Christians mm. together, and I think at school things were quite difficult because I was in a Catholic girls' school as an evangelical Reformed Anglican, <laughs> and the messages clashed, you know. So we'd go to Catholic mass every Friday at school, and that same message of we're all just God's children. God loves everyone. Um, it doesn't matter what you believe. All paths lead to the top of the same mountain. That was the message at school. And in conversation with my friends, the message that I was sharing with them was quite different. It was actually, no, there is only one way to know God, and that is through his son, the Lord Jesus. And that meant that um, I didn't have many friends at school. I wasn't popular. And it was often quite hard. And, and that in itself was a great blessing too, because it grew my faith. And, and I could actually see the truth of the gospel when it stacked up next to the untruth that we were being taught at school. And I, I'm actually very grateful for that. Uh, and, and being plugged in at St. James as my home church was a huge blessing because that's where my, my core friends were and where I was encouraged in my faith. And, and because of that, I think, able to, to stand at school. Okay. Any advice you would give kids who are in the same shoes as you were back then? I think the one thing I would say is don't give up going to church and going to youth group because those are gifts from God to us and they're ways that he grows us and speaks to us as his word is taught to us and so persevere with those things make those things priorities because you will they will help you to stand the test I think and so often today we're seeing the reverse where everything else is made a priority sport mm -hmm and extramural activities and long hours at school and the things that actually matter um, that help us to build for eternity tend to take a back seat. And when people then find themselves struggling, they don't really know, well, why, how, what's happened? But I would say the things that should be priorities are what God instructs us in his word. Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Keep going to those things and, um, and making your core friends, the people who have the same values and beliefs as you do because mm -hmm. it really it's the way that we spur one another on so I would encourage people to especially young people to to keep going to keep mm -hmm. spurring one another on to be in those meetings to make it a priority 
That's good. Meetings, ministries, what ministry are you currently involved in? So at the moment, I I serve uh, on uh, the board that runs our Cape Town Women's Convention. Um, And we've actually changed the name, so I need to correct myself. It's now the Reach Women Convention, uh, the Cape Town one. Can you um, tell us what REACH stands for? It's the Reformed Evangelical Anglican Church. So formerly it was um, the Church of England in South Africa. And a couple of years ago, our denomination had a name change to REACH South Africa, REACH SA. Okay. And so I'm serving on that committee uh, where we plan and put together the Cape Town uh, Convention for Women. Um, or conference, should I say. And I also obviously am helping my husband with a lot of the ministry here at St. James. So we run a couple of marriage prep groups through the year and um, a Bible study, training ministries, and from time to time stand in for our women's minister with some Bible teaching here at St. James. Okay. Now, prior to children, you were the women's worker here at St. James for some years and filling what felt like quite big shoes. Tell us a little bit about your experience in that ministry. Yes, so I, when I finished school, I actually went straight into theological training at George Whitfield College, and I spent three years um, there, and then worked for a couple of years at the University of Cape Town with female students, and really developed a great love for working with women um, and teaching women God's Word. And uh, after a number of years on the campus, I had the opportunity to come onto the full-time staff here at St. James as the women's worker. And I look back on those years and they were such wonderful years of great blessing. Um, I ran three different uh, Bible studies for women um, at that time and a training group for for women who were leading smaller groups within those studies. And it was just, it really was a great encouragement to see women serving women and women using their gifts for those who were able to teach, uh, to see those women being trained to do that better. Um, for those who were servants, to see them cooking meals and helping and loving and caring for other women. And really just a wonderful time of just seeing women equipped to serve in whatever their ministry gifts were. And I, I really enjoyed it. It was a tremendous blessing to be able to work here for those years. It was a very great time. You sat in some of those Bible I did. studies, didn't you, Terry? I did, and helped lead a, a small group table and a lot of learning happened, I think, a lot of stretching for women. I think mm. also because... Um, I think for many women, and prior to that, they hadn't had much real expositional teaching. So it, it was a lot of growth for, yeah. for a lot of women. And I also appreciated those meetings for meeting older women. Because prior to that, I didn't have a lot of contact with older Christian mm. women. And just gleaning so much about mm. life from these women who are Christians, who had done life, mm. was very, very valuable. And it's interesting that those are the two things you've picked up on, because I think that in our culture today, we see quite a trend to keep everything generational. And so young moms have young moms groups, you know, and they're all going through the same thing at the same time, which is beneficial because as we go through things, we're able to help others who are going through them. But there is a sense in which multi-generational meetings are just so helpful because you don't just need the women who are going through what you're going through. You need those who've gone through it. Mm -hmm. And you need those older women who are there to say, you'll get through, Mm. you'll reach the other side. This is what I found helpful when I was going through that. And I think I think those meetings that we had back then at Coffee Morning, for instance, was a, 
it was a great example of that and it was a huge encouragement because it was so multi-generational and people really benefited from that and it's what God's word instructs us to do so we have that principle of older women teaching younger women and not just sort of you know separating the ages all the time I think that that's very important and the second thing you mentioned which is the women having expositional teaching even today you know I think it's important for people to realize that and to remember that God speaks through his word and we have the living word of God and there's this trend amongst women's ministries to kind of look for issues that women are dealing with and then to focus on the issues and again you know there are many times when we do need to say look this is an issue we need to look at together that's very helpful but we mustn't assume that God's word cannot raise the things that we need to think about and then deal with it. And we need, I think it's important that women learn how to pick up the word of God and ask of God, what do you want to say to me? As opposed to reading the Bible with a framework that says, I'm looking for answers to issues. Mm. But to actually go to God's word and humbly open his word and work through it so that God puts on the agenda for us the things that are important to him. And, and I think for women to see the Bible being handled like that, that it is the word of God and there is a way to handle it and to approach it, I think is very important. And, um, and not just for us to be issues-based or looking for the next thing that we can make a series out of, but to actually expositionally work through the living word of God, I think is important. Now, talking about expositional teaching and learning, um, you've taught on numbers of different books. Um, I think one of my favorite that you did at one of the conventions was the Proverbs 31 woman. Yes. You know, in many cases, completely overused and overdone. Mm. And when you see Proverbs 31 woman again at a women's convention, <laughs> you kind of roll your eyes and go, okay, great. <laughs> Can we learn something else now, please? But that particular one for me was really insightful and it had it helped me to view that book with just a greater sense of clarity and understanding. Mm. Um so that was my favorite out of the books that you have taught. What has your favorite been so far, if I can put you on the spot? I actually, I know the answer to that straight off. I think for me is the book of Colossians. And I love Colossians because it really does, in the beginning bits of Colossians, Paul gives us a beautiful picture of who we are in Christ. Um, you know those sections that talk about the fact that we have been raised with Christ. We are seated with him in the heavenly realms, tucked away in him but with the Father. And that for me is mind-blowing to think that as a Christian who has put my faith in the Lord Jesus, who's had their sins forgiven, that though I'm talking to you right here in Cape Town, I'm also seated with Christ yeah. in the heavenly realms. And my salvation is secure because of Jesus. And because of who I am in him, I've been called to a new way of life. And so the rest of Colossians is very practical because this is who we are we're now able to live this transformed life in Christ. And it doesn't get it the other way around. It's not live this life so that you can be mm. this person in Christ. It starts with the reality of the gospel. Mm. We have been set free in him, seated with him in the heavenly realms, therefore put off the old way of life and put on the new way of life to which you've been called in Christ. And so throughout the book, you have that in Christ phrase. It's who we are in him. Mm. And so we have to put off the old self and constantly be putting on the new but the way Paul deals with it that process of putting off and putting on is so exciting yes. and wonderful it's not a burden um, it's this beautiful picture of you once were like this now you are changed and so be changed live these changed lives that God has called you to and it, it to me that's just exciting and wonderful and it's just a beautiful picture of the grace of God in Christ grace that saves and then grace that 
allows us to live mm. the new lives that he's called us to. It's wonderful. So I, I love the book of Colossians. Yeah, me too. Grace that saves and transforms. I think the phrase be holy because you yes. are holy yes. is just one of those things to remember yeah. on a daily basis. Yes. And not be holy because somehow, you know, that will save us and make mm. us holy. We are already holy. Great. At the moment, what are you passionate about? What's um, impacting your faith and informing how you're responding to, to Christ in your daily life? That's a good, that's a good question. I thought a bit about that this week. And I think for me, one of the things I've really been thinking through for a while now has been just this issue of contentment um, in the Christian life. And I, I think that it's something that is constantly a struggle for me. And interestingly, I don't know if you found this, but as I get older, it almost gets harder because there's the sense in which as Christians, we live in this world where there is so much on offer. And we're constantly having to choose as Christians whether we will love the things of this world or whether we will pursue godliness. And sometimes those things blur a little bit. And I find myself in recent times always looking at what other people have in terms of stuff or where they are or whatever it is and going, that's not me. And I'm heading towards the mid-40s and oh, should I want those things? Have we not made good decisions? Blah. And kind of almost losing focus of what's actually important. And I was reading... The other day from 1 Timothy, if I can just read from that, 1 Timothy chapter 6, um, where we're told that godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. And it made me realize that I think, certainly for me, the problem is that so often I'm actually looking at what other people have compared to what I don't have, as opposed to going, nothing I have is deserved. Mm. And God is the right to apportion to his people what he wants and I need to rejoice in what they've been given because it's God's goodness to them. And we don't deserve anything we have. And so really it shouldn't be, wow, they've got that and I don't. It should be, wow, that I could even have what I have. Mm. Lord, thank you. And, and again, it's really hit me in the last couple of weeks. We've been away on holiday. And, and I think that temptation for, for, so for us having been outside of South Africa, being back in Australia, and the immediate thing, and maybe it's just a South African thing, is to compare, you know, between South Africa and Australia and to go, this is better year or that's all. Should be. And actually to realize that, no, that God has put us where he wants us to be. And that's true for all of us. Wherever we are in life is because God has placed us there. It's not an accident. God in his goodness puts us where he wants us. And then he calls us to be busy not with the things of the world, but with things that have eternal value. And just because we feel something doesn't mean we feel the right thing. Yes. That I've got to discipline myself and go, but what's important? I've actually brought nothing into this world and I'm going to take nothing of earthly consequence out of this world when I go. And so I think for me, the key to contentment is to have my focus in the right place. What matters more to me, actually? Is it the world and the things the world can offer? Or is it eternal stuff? And it's interesting, we're told later that if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires. And later on, he's, we're told in verse 11, you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And, and that's really the key, isn't it? That we often measure God's goodness to us by the stuff we have yes. rather than what is God working in me? Am mm. I pursuing things of eternal value, gentleness, kindness, godliness with contentment 
Or am I constantly being pulled to the things that actually have no eternal value? And, and I, really, I really think that for many people, not just for, for me, that is a struggle. Um, you know, in Ephesians we're told we have every spiritual blessing in Christ, but we often measure blessing by the stuff we have, mm. by earthly things. And God calls us to a different standard. And so for me, I think this year, it's going to be a lot of working through what God's word says on this and training myself. Mm. You know, godliness is often spoken of in the New Testament as something we need to train ourselves to do. Um, and I think Paul particularly uses that word because it's not easy. It's like running a race. You have to train and get fit enough. And in the same way for all of these things, often we, we're thinking in ways that are unhelpful and then we feel like, oh, I'm not growing as a Christian. But actually we need to train ourselves to think like God wants us to think and not like the world does. And that's an ongoing work. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I totally identify with that. I like the way you put it about training ourselves. I often tell my kids that they need to stop listening to themselves and start talking to themselves. Yes. And that's not to say that it's, you know, to negate that we do have feelings and we need to be honest about what's going on inside and recognize our feelings. Um, but it, very often the things that we are feeling is ungodly mm. and we do need to talk to ourselves and tell ourselves the truth instead of listening to the lies that that we often like to listen to like uh, the lie that we deserve things or we deserve relationships or we deserve whatever it may be because mm. we we deserve what we don't deserve any of that and yet god has been so gracious in what he's given to us and again it's not it's not to say that we can't have anything yeah. or that we mustn't be wise about navigating finances Absolutely. or whatever it might be you know we live in the world and that's very real and we need to as christians we need to be wise and we need to be um, savvy about how we navigate that but i think the issue is more what do we pursue as Absolutely. our heart's desire that is and and sometimes i think as christians we do, we do very much pursue the wrong things um, and and often you know often just talking with women we, we so seldom talk about these eternal things are you pursuing godliness today Taryn are you pursuing faithfulness how are you doing that what does that look like for you with your children with your husband in the workplace to pursue love and godliness and faithfulness and all those things that actually last for eternity and that's I think something we constantly need to be working on it and I see that even as you know as we work with people with young children you know so so often they're just allowed to spend hours and hours at school and pursuing things and they stop coming to youth group and we talk to the parents and they say oh well we don't really have time for that because they've got rugby and they've got this and they've got that but that's one example where we need God's wisdom where we need to say of course those things are important because we live in the world and we need to navigate that wisely but when it becomes the most important thing and mm -hmm. it takes the place of well, how is your child going to grow in understanding God's word, in godliness, in meeting with other Christians? Those are things of eternal value. You know, and years down the line, those same parents will call and say, my child doesn't want to be a Christian. Can you help? But you've spent years sowing the seed and saying, but these other things are more important. And now you reap the rewards of that. Mm -hmm. And so it's in those things. It's not just knowing, well, the Bible says pursue these things, but how do we do that and how do we integrate that with everyday life you know what do we make the most important yes you do need to go to your school hockey game but if it's on a Sunday am I going to stand up and actually say well no there is something more important that happens on a Sunday morning we go to church mm -hmm. to hear God's word and to meet with these people that has to wait but more and more as Christians we are 
you know, imbibing everything the world has to offer. We don't know how to say no anymore. And the first thing that goes are these things of eternal value. And it's it's a danger we need to watch out for, I think. What's keeping you standing firm and growing as a Christian at the moment? I mean, you've spoken a bit about being content and being quite aware and having to work and train. How are you going to go about doing that? And what else will you be doing to help you stand firm in the faith? I think, I think for me, it's the daily exercise of getting up and reminding myself that the gospel is true and that one day, as God promises in his word, Jesus will come back. And I don't know if that will be tomorrow or if that will be in 50 years' time, but I do know that I'm called now to live in the light of that and to live as if it may be today that I will meet Jesus. None of us really, we don't know when we'll meet Jesus, but we are called to live as if today will be the day. And so I think that keeps me going every day is to know this is the truth. And I have the great privilege of knowing the truth about God. Um, and that, that encourages me to pursue holiness and godliness in my own life, however imperfectly, but also to take every opportunity to speak to people around me who don't know the Lord about him. And I, and I find that quite difficult. Um, you know, more and more I think people are kind of hostile, standoffish about hearing um, about the gospel. But I have to remind myself it's the truth. And if it's the truth, then this is a life or death thing. Um, then I've got to keep going. I've got to, you know, and Hebrews tells us, how do we know that we really are believers? Well, we, we persevere to the end. And so I've got to keep persevering in the truth. I've got to be prepared to share the truth. Um, and I've got to take encouragement in the truth. And so I think knowing that the gospel is the truth of God is the greatest encouragement and, mm -hmm. and the one thing that will make sure we keep going. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Haley. It's been really good to chat to you. Um, and I know that you've got some good material on the web in terms of studies that you've done or talks that you've done on conventions. And I, I know you're probably not loving me at this moment no, not really. <laughs> to, to share this, but I do think it's very valuable. And I think that there are probably women out there who might really benefit from hearing some of the talks you've done. Can you tell us where we can find those? Uh, no, not really, because I don't go <laughs> listening to them. But I'm sure if you went to the St. James Church website, there'd probably be some stuff up there. So there would be, so that to the St. James Sermon Archives, you'd probably be able to find some Bible studies and talks there. So that's St. James, S-T-J-A-M-E-S dot org dot Z -A. Z -A. That's right. Great. I'm sure we can put up some links uh, when we do publish this on Facebook and various other places. And I uh, hope others can also benefit from the gifts that the Lord has given you in terms of teaching his word. And I hope they've been encouraged too, as I've been encouraged. Haley has been a great encourager to me for many, many years. And, uh, and I'm really grateful to her. So thank you, Haley, for sharing with us today. It's a great pleasure. Thank you, Taryn. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Lydia Project. We would love you to share this episode with others, whether that be by word of mouth, social media, or leaving a review on iTunes. You can find us on most platforms using the handle at TLPCWCW. Special thanks goes to our platform host, The Gospel Coalition Australia. Music is Wholesome 7 by Dave Depper, and voiceover is by me, Jennifer Mary.